the last couple of months, we've been talking about something that's very, very important. And I'm going to deal with an aspect of it tonight um, to help us. And remember, the purpose of these services twofold really is to help us and then to what? To what? Do you know? To help us to help some others. Okay. And, and that's a uh, real purpose behind this. So we want to get help because you know what? If you can't swim, you're not a good lifeguard. Okay. So we've got to get fixed up so that we can, you know, bless to be a blessing. We comfort others with the comfort we ourselves have been comforted with by God. And so um, anything that God brings into your life, he helps you with. Uh, ultimately, it should bear fruit and help some other folks as well. Okay. Um, we've been talking about crisis and process. And that's what life is made up of. Crisis and process. That's part of your, your day, whether you schedule that or not. Uh, crisis and process. You're going to have little things that are crisis, big things, several things, no things for a little while. And I always say this. If, if you got everything's going really, really good, nothing wrong, take a picture. Okay? So you can remember that. Uh, I'm not a doom and gloomer. Not one bit. I believe that we overcome in this life and then we have life after this that's unreal. Uh, But I do know that while we travel this planet uh, in a fallen world with an enemy of our souls, there's going to be issues and problems. The other other issue, I don't know why God did it this way, but he did. He gave us free wills. How many of you have ever messed up anything with your free will? I'm waiting for every hand to go up. It was was your free will. So I'm going to leave my hand, you know. So... Gnarly attitude or not, every one of us have, you know, with our free will. So we have things that come. We have attacks. We have natural course. We have bad decisions. We sabotage ourselves sometimes, intentionally, unintentionally. We have bad patterns in our life. We have bad companions in our life sometimes. All of these things working together. This is why you've got to start your day out and nail your day down early. And get a word from your sponsor. You've got to start your day. Get clear in your day. Don't start late, rush through your day, and it's, you know, late in the afternoon, and you're depressed and sweaty and everything else before you realize, I I, I need to get with God. You need to start with God. Okay, you need to start. Well, I'm just not a morning person. Yeah, I know, and neither are you an afternoon person or an evening person, okay? (laughs) And so uh, that's another message. But we have crisis, but here's the wonderful thing. We can then process. We can process. That's where a lot of people fail to move on. They don't process. They get stuck. They buy into the lies of the enemy. Uh, You messed up. You're broken. You're a failure. You're this, you're that. And he wants to get you just stuck instead of processing. But we serve a God that is both creator and redeemer. We have the Son of God who is Savior and Lord. And a Savior really is one who makes you safe and then can keep you safe. And as Lord, he's an owner, a ruler, a master, superior. And he will take charge, if you give it to him, of your life and he'll watch over you. And he can help you. He's the only wise God. He has wisdom. He's able to help you with... Nothing stumps God. And we have... The wonderful privilege of prayer. We have access to God. We have the Holy Spirit on board to help us all the time. 
And so what we should be doing, yes, crisis comes, but you don't cave in at that point. Uh, you let God help you and you process out of those things and through those things. Okay? And we've talked about that for a number of weeks. I want to go into another aspect of this tonight. Let's look in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. And it's the B portion or the second portion of the verse. And Paul says this, I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed. In the New Living, it says, I know the one in whom I trust. Do you know the one whom you believe? I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able. Everybody say, he is able. He is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Now, there's a principle in that verse, and I want you to, uh, it's assigned to a lot of things, but I want us to just take this for a circumstance of your life. I need to know whom you trust, who you believed, and you need to be persuaded that he's able to keep or guard, preserve, get all the way through whatever you would commit to him. Okay, and we're headed that way tonight. Look at this in Job 42, verse 2 in the New Living. Job says, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. Isn't that awesome? Job says that about God. I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. Now, think about this. If you could do anything and no one could stop you, you wouldn't need God. Here's our conclusion. You need God. We need God. So here's what we have. We have circumstances and we have might, ability, power. God has the might. God has the ability. God has the power. We have what? The circumstances. We've got the problem, the crisis, the situation that we're dealing with. What we need to do now is get the might and the circumstances connected. Do you believe y'all are looking at me like, do you believe that God, are you persuaded that he's able? Do you think he could fix any circumstance that would come into your life? Do you think he can fix your circumstance or stances that you're dealing with right now? Do Do you? Okay. So what a lot of people do though, is they kind of separate that a little bit and they think, you know, God's able, but this is me. And we've got to know that this comes together and we've got to connect between God's power, his might, his ability and my circumstance, my mess, my situation and get those two together. And when we get them together, guess what happens? The need gets met. The circumstances changes. Y'all, y'all here speak English. Um, but too often the focus is wrong. And this is the question I want to just kind of ponder just a little bit here. We have a need, got a circumstance, um, some kind of mess, some kind of situation. Am I talking to anybody's language here? We've got that. And then we know that God has the power. And I know I've been beaten on this for a minute, but I've got to get this together. If you can get God's power, if you can connect with that, that's going to help your situation. My concern is too often people's focus is wrong. And so the focus, the question rather would be this. Okay. God has the might. You've got the circumstance. You've got the need. And then God meets that need. 
Um, now what? If your focus is only on getting the need met, and now the need is met, then what happens? And I'll tell you what happens. We tend to wander off. We tend to go back to our life. We tend to thank you, God, for the pit stop. But then we go back on into, into the rat race if our focus is wrong. And that is, and, and get this, I just want to get my need met. I just got to get some relief from this. I got to get the pressure off. I just got to get the situation off. God is able to do those things. But that cannot be your focus. That cannot be your focus because I'm telling you, and I watch it all the time, then once the need gets met, then we wander off. We wander off because the pressure's off, situation's taken care of, needs met, circumstance resolved, and we wander back off because our focus was only on getting that need met. So the higher focus would be this. Um, and I'm not going to take, take time to write it because I've got to cruise through this here tonight. The higher focus would be relationship. Now, this is huge. Instead of just goods and services, instead of just a transaction, I had a need, he's able to meet the need. That's a transaction. Are you all with me? Yes. And, and can I tell you who's the worst? American Christians. We have such a consumer mindset, and it's really hardly your fault a lot. You grew, you grew up in a consumer culture. And so we're just about getting a need met. It's all about goods and services. And we're going to have to transcend that. We're going to have to understand something about relationship with our source instead of, well, he's the source to meet my need, help me to do that, to find this, to fix this, to change that. Amen. Y'all are scaring me because y'all are just... So we've got to go on a higher focus here, relationship, instead of just transaction. Um, and I haven't developed this out fully, but it'd be the difference between having four-wheel drive or having something pathetic and you keep having to call the tow truck. So if you keep getting stuck and then all you do is you just keep calling the tow truck, you know, and then once you're unstuck, see you, thanks. Call you when I need you. I think it's better to have four-wheel drive and the motor to turn those wheels. Are, are you hearing me? To have, that, to have that with us. Let's look at it another way here. In John chapter 4, verse 13 and 14, this is in the New Living Translation. Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. And there's a whole bunch in that. But he says this in verse 13. Jesus replied, People soon become thirsty again after drinking this water. You remember that she was at the woman at the well, okay? And she, he asked for drink, and then he tells her, People soon become thirsty again after drinking this water. But the water I give them takes away thirst altogether. It becomes, I love this, it becomes a perpetual spring within them, giving them eternal life. I know people, we minister to people all the time that get thirsty. They get thirsty. And it's because they're not in relationship with God. So they come and they drink again and they get their thirst quenched, so to speak, and then go back out to all the things. And I want you to know the world will make you thirsty. 
The world might make you thirsty. And I think God kind of designed some things that way. Eternity is written in the hearts of men. There is an innate hunger in everybody for God. We, we don't have to cave in. We don't have to do everything like the world. We don't have to come in here and sing the world's songs. They already have those songs. When people come in here, they need to sense and know the presence of God somehow. They need to sense the love of God. They need to hear the word and the truth of God, you know, to change their life. People are hungry. People are thirsty. They're trying to fill it with all kinds of things. Skip to the end. Will they be able to satisfy hunger and thirst out in the world apart from the things of God? No. And so you can have those things and they may quench for a little bit, but that, then that's it. And Jesus said, I want to give you a living water. I want to give you a water that will, will not only quench your thirst, but this, this water that I would give you to drink. And he's talking about this eternal life. He said, it will be in you. And I love this. That's why I chose the new living for, for this verse here. It will be a perpetual spring. So it's the difference in having a Dixie cup or having the, the spring. Are you all with me? So I don't want just, I'm thirsty. Could I have a drink? When I was a little kid, I used to beg at my neighbor's house all the time. Because my mom, I've told you this before, we had screen doors. How many of you grew up with screen doors? Did your screen door have a hook on the inside? Did it have the little latch, too, on on the thing? So you couldn't, like, jimmy the thing? Mom put me outside, latched the door. So I go play. I go watch repairmen, hang out, make new friends, get hungry. And and don't, I wasn't abandoned. It was just for hours at a time. She just didn't want me in the house. Drink out of hoses. Come on. How many of you drank out of hoses? Now there's probably warning labels. You know, don't, don't do that. Remember you had to turn it on, let the water run for a while. So get cold and run frogs and things out of it. Remember that? Remember that? Drink out of people's hoses. Sometimes, you know, go over. There's a neighbor lady named Mrs. Gibson. If I wasn't stealing her plums, I'd ask her for lemonade. You know, but you go over. But, uh, you know, my, my picture in my mind is, could I have something to drink? Well, they're not going to turn away a little sweaty kid. Well, they would sometimes. But... Um, you know, the little Dixie cup you want in life. Do you want the Dixie cup or do you want to have that, that perpetual spring that's a part of you? So we need to not be just in the mindset. I just want to get my needs met. That's Dixie cup. Do y'all know what I mean by Dixie cup? Okay. Some of you are like, I don't know what that is. Um, anyway, I'm dating myself here. So but I'd rather have the fountain. I'd rather have Niagara Falls, you know, the, the source that, that just never, never ends. So what we want to do is understand that relationship trumps transaction. Okay. We don't want to just, and if this is your thinking tonight, you need to change your thinking. And it's easy to get into that focus. I just want to get my needs met. I just want to get this thing sorted out. I just, I just want the pain to stop. I just, I, you know, those things in your life. But I tell you this a lot. Never let a problem be the biggest thing in your life. God has to be the biggest thing in your life. And he has to be your source. Okay, you with me so far? Let's look in John 15. John 15, verse 4 and 5. It says, abide in me. Jesus said this, abide in me and I in you. 
As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do you can do nothing. Then look down in verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire or what you need, and it shall be done for you. How shall it be done for you? Let me just tell you. By his might, by his power, by his wisdom, by his ability. And so what I see is a connection between abiding and asking and then having that need met. So I think our focus needs to be abiding in him. Relationship with him, staying with him. We'll come back to that word in just a little bit. And here's the reality. I think that if you abide in the Lord, and that means to remain, to stay, to continue. Uh, it's like the word even carries this idea to be married. It's to dwell. It's to stay. It's a permanent kind of thing to stay in the Lord, to walk in the Lord. This is what I believe. If you'll abide in him, you're going to have less needs. Now I don't, I don't preach and teach, come to Jesus and you'll have no problems. I don't, I don't preach that at all. I believe he can fix any problem. But I, I, I don't, and I don't believe everybody's going to be a millionaire. Okay, I, I, don't, I don't see that either. But I know that he can meet your needs. And I do find, not just from scripture, but I do find from life experience and watching people too, that the more that you abide in Jesus and, his, and he abides in you and his word abides in you, you have less needs, you have less problems. I think you just avoid some things. You just don't do some things and other things, you know what to do. It doesn't mean you're perfect, but you're connected. It works better when you're connected to the creator. It works better when you're connected to the redeemer and the savior. And so abiding in, 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 in him helps. And that should be our focus. God is not, I put this in my notes. He's not a spiritual ATM. He's not a vending machine. He's not, and I was talking to somebody the other day and we were talking about when we were kids, we always thought that as long as mom had checks, she had money. (laughs) See, I'm out of checks. No, you got a whole box full of them in the drawer I saw. We're rich, you know. But we just think sometimes, I I think we send the wrong signal to our kids even. That we just go up to a, a machine and stick in a plastic card and punch some numbers and it spits out cash. You know, but I think sometimes we transfer this mentality over on God that he's some kind of vending machine. That he's some kind of ATM. And, and here's what we do. We get the focus. I'll call you when I need you. I'll call you when I need you. And you know what? Jesus is calling us to more than that. This is what he's calling us to do is to follow him. Amen. Did y'all hear me? He's calling us to follow him. Now, let me just ask you something. If he calls you the, the prince of peace, the creator of heaven and earth, savior of mankind. If he says, I want you to follow me, get, stay with me on this. If he says, I want you to follow me, don't you know he's going to take care of you? So we've got to change from the attitude of I'm doing my own thing. And when I need you, I'll call you. We all have people like that in our lives. Sometimes you see some people coming and you're and, and immediately it's like, I wonder what they need. I wonder what they need now. I was at a basketball game yesterday. Basketball season started for our academy. I was sitting up in the bleachers and this little girl 
cute as can be. I can remember when she was born and uh, she come running up and she's, I don't know, probably fourth grade or something now. Her and her little friend came up to her mom, ran up in the bleachers, got right in front of her mom, goes, hi, mom. (laughs) And you know what was, I could see her and you know what was in the background? Concession stand. (laughs) You know, and we have some, you have some people sometimes in your, in your life that's just when they need something, they come around. Let's make sure we're not like that with the Lord. Amen. All right. Um. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. We opened up with this, but I want to go back to this. 2 Timothy 1 verse 12. Are you still there? Paul said, I know whom I have believed. Again, I know the one in whom I trust and am persuaded that he is able. Watch that. He is able. Say it again. He is able able. to keep what I have committed. Say committed. committed. Committed to him. Commitment, I think connects us with his might. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm going to bump into this a little bit on Sunday as we continue on grace and peace. Have maybe been enjoying any of the grace and peace. Um, Everything that God has prepared, provided, promised, is contained in his grace. And God in his mercy then can release anything out of his grace that he wants to. But on our end of it, faith releases what grace contains. Okay? So God can give out of his grace whenever he wants. And he has. He has in my life. How about in your life? And that's his grace and mercy working together. And that's always a a good thing for us. Um, But we have an our part on this. And the Bible does not say the just shall live by mercy. What does it say? The just shall live by by faith. And that's trusting God. That's obeying God. And so we have instruction here that I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him. So I want to talk just a minute about committing things to God. Okay. So our first emphasis is what? Relationship, not transaction. And then out of that relationship, then when I have a need, when I have a problem, when I have a situation, and will you look at me just for a moment? I have needs. I have problems. I have situations. Sometimes people get the wrong idea, uh, you know, and they think that a, a pastor has no problems, has no needs, has no whatever. You are drunk. And <laughs> you are sadly mistaken and confused. Okay. We all do. We all do. Um, now I should know what to do about those things and I should be able to avoid a lot of those things. Are y'all with me? And I should, and this is where the pressure gets on. I should model those things and I'm going to make right decisions whether anybody's looking or not. I have to do that. But I am aware that when I make decisions, how I conduct my life is important because, you know, we're to live our life in front of other people. There's a requirement on, on me that, as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I really don't want you following me. So I'm just going to stay real close to Christ. And so if you're trying to, then I'll go, no, no, we're just following him. Okay? But we all have problems and situations. And what do we do to those things or, or with those things? We are to commit them to him. Commit those. Now, follow this real quick. We're not going to take long on this. 
The word commit means a deposit or a trust. Uh, One New Testament dictionary says it's to place next to, to set before, to hand over. So if you have a need, how many of you have a need and problem situation? Come on, let me see your hands. Okay. If you've got that situation, here's what you're supposed to do it. You are to commit it to God. You're to what? You're to hand it over to him. You're to, to deposit it with him. Now, how do you do that? I, I, everything is connected to prayer. Whether or not I preach about prayer every week, everything's connected to prayer. That's you talking to God and, and him talking to you. But you commit it to him. You entrust him with it. If you go put some money in the bank, you don't just put it on the counter and walk out. There's a little bit of paperwork. There's a little bit of, you know, exchange of information. Am I correct? And so you bring this problem to the Lord. You need to talk. You need to communicate. God, this is bigger than I am. This, you promised that you could help with this kind of thing. It's always good to take some promises with you and give that to the Lord and commit it, hand it over to him. And then it says that we're persuaded that he's able to keep it and not just save it up for later, but to deal with it, to, to do what's needed with that. Now, listen to this. His ability, his might is not in a play, it, in play. It's not in effect until I commit it over to him. Okay, now I have to take one exception here. If God in his mercy and grace, apart from you committing anything to him, handing anything over to him, he can, and he has, in his mercy and grace, fix things for us before that we weren't, we didn't commit back to him. Am I telling the truth? Is that happening for anybody? Is God taking care of something before for you and you didn't even pray about it and he took care of you? Now, I need to ask that again. Has he ever fixed something for you? You, you? you just struggled with it and God just came in and... Okay. He's able to do that and thank God when he does. That's his mercy. Well, what am I to do when I have a problem? I'm just going to wait for his mercy. I'm going to do my thing and let him... No, no. I am to commit that over to God. I'm to hand it over. I'm to commit it to him. And this is what I believe from our end of it. His power, his might, his ability, his wisdom is not in effect for that until I commit it to him. Let me give you an illustration. How many of you heard of FDIC? It's the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. Who knows if it works? But the banks, you go to the bank and there's a sticker on the door and it's on all their paperwork down at the bottom FDIC, and that means that any deposit you have in there, it used to be $100,000, and now it's $250,000, that your deposit with them is protected up to that amount. Okay? Now, let's say that that really does work. Then your money is not protected, though. It is not protected if you've got it in your cookie jar. If you've got it in your mattress or you've got it in a coffee jar in your garage or it's in a safe in your house. It is not, it does not have that protection with it. When do I get that protection? Once I deposit it. Are you hearing it? Once I hand it over, once I deposit it with them, the exchange of information, I put it into your care. I've entrusted you with it. Now it's insured. You follow me? So with a problem, a situation in our life, then, then what do we do? We've got to not just hold it to ourselves, 
not just talk about it with your four friends. Instead, what we've got to do is find a time and a place. And I'm telling you, folks, if you've never been on your face before God, you need to get on your face before God. I didn't expect a lot of amens out of that, but you need to get a time where you just get before God and give this thing to God and cry out to God and get before God and stop carrying it around and limping around. So somebody will ask you, what's wrong with you? Well, now that you've asked, it's like, come on. When you've got this incredible God, what you need to do is get before him and deposit it. And then once you commit it to the Lord, then you have his help with that. Psalm 37, verse 5, I'm almost done. It says, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. The English Standard Version says he will act. The New Living Translation says he will help you. And so, folks, we need to move our attitude. Maybe you're already there, and this is just helping to fortify this tonight. We need to move our attitude and our focus from, I need you when I need you, I'll call you when I need you. We need to change from that to, I need you every hour. Acts 17, 28 says, in him we live and move and have our being. That word means exist. In him we live and move and have our being. In in, uh, John, that we read earlier in uh, John 15, it talked about, Abiding in him, remaining in him, continuing, staying, dwelling in him. The Weist commentary says it's maintain a living communion. is to abide vitally united to God. And, and folks, listen to me. It's not about perfection. Get this. It's not about perfection. It's about direction. It's that we're continuously trying to follow the Lord. Let me give you one other thing and then we'll close tonight. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. John writes, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you may also have fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. That you may also have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. So here's what we're moving from. We're moving from a transaction mindset. And that is, I've got a problem, God, can you fix it? We're moving instead to a relationship mindset. Where it's like, God, you're my everything. Oh, I've got a problem. And then he's able, are you seeing that? But here's the thing about relationship. And what I just read to you is kind of the basis for this. Fellowship brings joy to relationship. Fellowship brings joy to relationship. Say it with me. Fellowship brings joy to relationship. Mr. and Mrs. Married people are related, but sometimes there's no joy. And I'll tell you why there's no joy, because something's messed up fellowship. There are people with the same last name, same DNA, related to one another, do not have joy. Why do they not have joy? Because they don't have fellowship. Something broke fellowship. Something got in there. You want, you want joy to be in a relationship? There needs to be fellowship. You can't just be a Bible toter. Okay? You just can't have a Bible, go to church. You need to fellowship with the Father and with the Lord Jesus. Well, how do I do that? Think about him. Talk to him. Listen to him, get into his word, let him talk to you this way, hang out with his kids, 
Are you hearing me? Instead of just showing up, you know, family reunion every now and then. You know, it needs to be that we fellowship, that we walk, that we talk. Think about a friend. Think about the closest people, the people that brought you the most joy in your life. And it's because you had fellowship. And fellowship brings joy to relationship. And what is joy? The joy of the Lord is our strength. Strength. strength, It strengthens a relationship. It will strengthen you as well. Amen? Amen? Caution. Never let a problem become the biggest thing in your life. Because when you get problem-focused, then you're going to shift that away from the relationship. Make the relationship the most important thing. Walk and talk with God. It's going to be amazing how much He takes care of. But as things come up in our life, then what do we do? We commit those to Him. We give those over to Him. We release. We cast our burdens over onto the Lord. We cast our cares on the Lord. We pray. We give those petitions to the Lord. And He'll take care of those things. Because where we've got needs... He's got the might. He's got the ability. But let's get in the middle here. Let's worry. Let's concern ourselves most about that relationship. And if you really want the relationship to be strong and joyful, fellowship, fellowship, fellowship. Let the first one you talk to every morning be the Lord. Let the last one you talk to every day be the Lord. You know, a good illustration years ago, I was reaching for an illustration, but everybody's got those little... uh, Bluetooth, um, they've got all kinds of names now. What are some of the names? What is it? Jawbone. Yeah, Jawbone and all the, you know, it's the little phone thing that's on in your ear, rides on your jaw. Y'all with me? Uh-huh. Um, you need to be like that with God. That just all day, I've given this illustration before, I'm going to use this and then, and then I'll close in prayer tonight. I, I remember walking into a convenience store and the convenience store clerk, this is years ago before Bluetooth or anything else, was on the phone, jabber, 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 talk, 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 talk. I'm just, I'm buying milk, you know, talk, talk, talk. And then can I help you? I'm paid for the milk. Just going on and on and on. Uh, That's, and I don't know how much milk was back then, you know, told me like, you know, 259. So I'm getting the 259. That was a while back, wasn't it? And (laughs) And pay, and then they you know, okay, just a second. Thank you very much. Come again. And then back on. I think we need to live that way. Although that was rude to me, you know, and you shouldn't be that way at work. I think we need to be on the line with God all day. Amen. All day. And he knows you got work. He knows you got kids. He knows you got all those things. He's okay. You don't have to talk to him every minute. But you know what? As the day goes, you're on the line. We're not on hold. We're on the line. And, you know, I joke sometimes, you say, Lord, remember that one I talked to you about? They're coming right right now. They said you'd help me. Remember, Lord, I prayed about this thing this afternoon at 4 o'clock. It's quarter till. You know, and just thank him and talk to him and say, man, you made that? That is incredible. And thank him and express your concerns. Just walk and talk with God. Walk and talk. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. And you just walk with the Lord. And I'm telling you what, don't be all problem-centered. Be centered up on Him. It's going to be amazing the measure of peace that you walk in and victory that you walk in. Amen? I could go on and on. I'm going to stop right there. Did you get anything at all out of this tonight? Thank you, Lord.